I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Yay. So this is our third <laughs> episode <laughs> about the Testaments. Yeah. I do want to, before we even get to the housekeeping, I forgot to mention this line in the last section. Mm-hmm. It was on page 181. Aunt Lydia says, having no friends, I must make do with enemies. Oof. Mm. Me in middle school. Truer words were ne'er spoken. <laughs> I do. I've been kind of trying to sort of figure out what the zodiac signs of these characters are. Oh. What's the most boring sign? Because that's Agnes Jemima. Uh, <laughs> I truly don't know. I only know the ones that you tell me about. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's like a. Mm. This is mean. Whatever you say is going to be mean. I don't know. Well, I just like I just think of like Libras as being very like calm and like not really having uh-huh. a lot of drama. Maybe mm. I'm wrong. I've been told that I'm wrong. This really reminds me of one time some stranger met me at a bar and was like, "Let me guess your zodiac sign." Okay, so Scorpios are like sexual and hot, so not that. Uh, <gasps> she like and she went. Through- oh my god. She went through everything and it got more and more insulting. And she did guess cancer, but it was after insulting me to my core, which as a cancer wouldn't take much. But oh my God, such a bitch together. lady. No, but Aunt Lydia, I'm like, because she's got she's got a Scorpio's deviousness. Mm hmm. Right. I just, I'm just not. I'm not sure, Molly. Okay, she might be a Gemini. Well, mm. that's interesting. Mm. I mean, we all know Maggie Atz herself is a Scorpio. Yes, we do know that. So <laughs> I feel like everybody in this book has a Scorpio rising for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. My friend was saying that when she writes characters for books, she tries to do their birth chart. Uh huh. If she's either procrastinating or trying to sh- uh, shade it out. Interesting. That friend is Deanna, who sometimes listens to this podcast. Love you, D. What up, Deanna? Um, speaking I- of shout outs. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I have a friend of mine who like showed me this. He's writing a YA novel, and he showed Ooh. me this like Excel sheet that he made to like mm-hmm. help reference the characters' like physical mm-hmm. descriptions and their personalities. And That's I, really smart. I'm going to steal that. So thanks to my life chode, uh, Jordan DeSanto. <laughs> All right, so um, we're going to do our Venmo shout-outs. These are people who have donated to us at Venmo.com slash Red All Over. We like to give them a little shout-out. Again, we're recording these all at once, so if you sent them in since our first episode, sorry, we haven't gotten to yet. Okay, shout-out to Kim Biltoft. I want to build a loft to hang out with Kim Biltoft. Emily Reeves. Ugh, you are the light of my life. Sandra Madellen. You don't have to be Magellan to discover why I love you, Sandra. I love you. Samantha Wagner. Wagner? I barely know her, and yet I would die for her. R.C. Khan. (laughs) R.C. Khan! I love you so much. Carla Lada. Oh, man, that just slides right off my tongue, and I want to give you a big old kiss. Here it comes. Anne Goldhirsch. Thank you so much, Anne. You're such a special person, and I need you to know that. Eleanor Reed. Boy, let me read you to the opposite of filth because I think you're great, Eleanor. Kate Silvestri, longtime listener, longtime Venmo donator. Thank you so much, Katie. Abby Miller La Francesca. Uh, thank you so much, Abby. That means so much to me. January Vauter. Your name sounds like someone from a cool mystery series and I'm about it. 
Ellen Duda. Thank you so much, Ellen. I think you're so smart. Graham King. Oh, Graham. I hope you have a wonderful day. Don't forget to drink water because you deserve it. And Sarah Cornelius. What can you say about Sarah Cornelius except that? Sarah, you look great today. Take a second. Unclench your jaw. Unclench your shoulders. You deserve only nice things. Thank you so much. You did it. You You made it. (laughs) And if you want more delightfulness, you can find Kelly on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. And you can find Molly on Twitter at Serious Molly. Boom, we did it. Let's get into this next chunk of testaments, which goes from page 221 to 343. During our break, Mm -hmm. we discovered that a secature Mm -hmm. is flower shears. Which I'm sure a million of you have already messaged me about. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, Actually, it's pronounced. I don't mean to make fun of you. It's very <laughs> nice of you to even <laughs> c- bother with us. So thanks. Um, so yeah, so that's what that uh, last chapter meant. This chapter is called Ardua Hall. So we're finally having some of these storylines converge. So we're picking up with Agnes Jemima talking about her life now that Becca is gone from the uh, premarital school and she's getting closer and closer to finding out her own husband. Yeah, and I like Aunt Gabbana your fave is still here she's she's sort of like the wedding planner you know yep. she's like martin short and father of the bride she's like j-lo in the wedding planner god how awful are all these rom-coms that are like about people who are like gonna marry the wrong person and then mm-hmm. they like marry the wedding planner like no yeah. or some i was just talking with somebody about how bad sleepless in seattle is because oh. meg ryan is just like oh hey bill pullman <laughs> um you're perfectly fine but i'm gonna go just like take a chance on this stranger <laughs> anyway that's not what's happening here i like when aunt gabbana says that my own inclinations would naturally be taken into account <laughs> paula smiled at this of course she said i said nothing and oh gosh the absolutely grotesque descriptions of these old men. And what I like about this in particular is that I do think Maggie Adams does a great job of describing these men who are these old men from the perspective of somebody who's like 16 <laughs> and like also does not appear to have any real like sexual inclinations. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that it means that Agnes Jemima is asexual or ace if you're cool, but it's just like, it does not seem to have much impact for her. I think it's more of that, like, she's never been told a sexual story that comes out well. Yeah, she's like, well, I don't want to get cut up into 12 pieces. Right. I don't want to get molested by a dentist again. And everybody who has a baby dies. Yeah. So there's nothing to look forward to except for continued living, maybe? Mm-hmm. And you still have to sleep next uh, to this weird guy. She'd get a bunch of Marthas. That's, sure. Uh, sure. Sure. Kind of interesting that there is a rise of like juvenile cancer among these babies and that's kind of why they're a lot of them are dying Mm -hmm. uh so i think we remember from the original world building unbaby is like a deformed baby they talk about i can't remember who or if it's later in this a woman giving birth to an unbaby that has two heads and it gets stuck inside of her Mm -hmm. i think it's this book it might be this one um uh slash shredders yeah that's the sort of un informal name right so we have a lot of babies coming out to gilead's mind deformed and then we have a lot of babies who eventually don't make it out of infanthood because they have this juvenile cancer so uh shit is amiss in gilead something is way rotten i'll also clarify because she does say in here she's talking about his loathsome appendage like even like yeah it's like even like i feel like the 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 field is wide open for like 
Agnes Jemima's possible sexual future. Sure. Like, I'm not trying to equate sexual trauma with asexuality because sure. that's not no, no, no. the case. But she has had enough bad experiences to want nothing to do with these dudes. Yeah. Um, which it's always sure, penises. Yeah, we can all relate. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, not again. Be relatable. So they kind of are talking over her head and she's mulling over these suitors. And she's debating suicide as well. Um, she doesn't feel as dedicated as becca did no and she hears you know her martha's we haven't gotten too deep into her relationship with the martha's at commander kyle kyle's house (laughs) because we're told more so than shown Mm -hmm. that they are the people who show her kindness yeah um and they're sort of the only link that she has back to her life when Tabitha was still alive. Yeah. Um, but in a very, again, Ella enchanted way. This is Ella enchanted. (laughs) What if I did Ella enchanted, but didn't tell anyone? (laughs) I would, I would, I'm on to you, Maggie. Molly, you're so smart. Oh God. Molly. Molly. I love it. You know, I love it. Here's a cracky. (laughs) Uh, So this next chapter is her further thinking about suicide thinking of ways to avoid getting married blah 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 um they kind of make the decision for her that she's going to marry commander judd and commander judd comes a courting and we already know from what we've learned from aunt lydia mm-hmm. that this is a guy who likes to date barely post pubescent girls date is such a cute way to say say date. he likes to go steady with a young lady he puts a pin on her uh i'm sorry he likes to marry extremely young girls Mm -hmm. uh wear them out in a way that we are thankfully not given any details Mm -hmm. on and then they die yep Uh, Oh, wait, we are given some details. We do find out that he will poison them, presumably because he's decided like, okay, like the shine's off you. And I'm ready to get the new model. So I just I can't even imagine this. Like there are forms of literary depravity where I can invent a humanity Mm -hmm. as the writers of the show would have it. But for this, I'm just like, I don't understand any part of this. Like, I just, I don't understand this, like, fetishization of younger girls. I don't understand wanting to dispose of them when you're quote unquote done it's just it's so horrifying to me yeah and well, I can't... i'm glad that you can understand well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. But i just you know it just it you know if if people are murdering people to get something but i'm like what are you exactly getting out of well, this it's sort of i mean this is we talked about this a little bit when you first talked about judd like this is a time-honored literary trope mm-hmm the, the sort of bluebeard trope of this mysterious bachelor who keeps marrying women and then they meet bad ends. It's very like Rebecca. It's very, it's even like kind of uh, Scheherazade. It's Beauty and the Beast. Like it's all of these things. We're just reenacting these same tropes over again that there was a little bit of part of me and I'm sick as fuck. There's a little part of me that's like, I wonder if there is a wife that could have had staying power mm. with him, kind of in like your favorite plot line in Harlots with um, oh, uh, Lucy, Sha- Lucy and dating uh, that guy. What a cute way to. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy. Uh, having Lord, that relationship Lord, name? with Lord Val. It's a V. Uh, Fallon. Fallon. Yeah. That yeah, I know what you're saying. Anyway, we could we could dissect Bluebeard and its various permutations all day. I'm just saying, even like going back to like the seminal seminal get it um gross. Why isn't the winter Ovester? 
<laughs> By the way, some some iTunes reviewer was like, that one needs to stop fake laughing this whole time. And it's like, no, sir, I am genuinely delighted by everything she says. <laughs> and when I'm not, you will know. <laughs> yeah, I edit out the laughs that sound fake. Good day to you. <laughs> Go intercourse yourself, sir. Um, at any rate, I just... I don't have the, you know, I understand the desire to emotionally destroy a person, but to <laughs> physically destroy them, this seems, this seems base. All right. So yeah, she meets Judd. He like looks her over like a racehorse. It's disgusting. She's like, fuck, bye. I guess I'm done with my life. Um, then she's the, contemplating the suicide more and more. The is, is when Agnes Jemima talks about Paula knew how much rage was seething inside of me and like... The the way that Agnes talks about her feelings and like her very like meek and shallow understanding of life just like breaks my heart because like you can't even you know you can't even go like listen to the cure yeah. in Gilead you know like all you have is to stare at a wall there's no cure in Gilead. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so interesting and i think that's interesting to our understanding of gilead is like or of agnes jemima agnes jemima is not like women should have equal rights gilead is bad because it doesn't let women have jobs mm-hmm. she's merely like i don't like having to marry anything with a penis yeah i'm scared of penises yeah that's the alpha no. and omega and i think that's what i like about, about her gilead. so much is that you know she is <laughs> you know she's not some She's not action Agnes. No. She's just like, ah, this was really bad for me. Yeah. And I just also like as she like she has this kindness and we didn't touch on this in the very first episode where we're recapping this, but she talks about, you know, I loved my mother and like there were all of, mm-hmm. you know, I I had friends and I had teachers and I didn't know anything any different. Mm-hmm. So if you want me to be. Mm-hmm full of condemnation for this like there are things about it i didn't like but it was my culture it's so interesting yeah you're right and i just and i appreciate that that, you know throughout this entire thing it's just like hey like she was just some guy yeah (laughs) she wasn't special i yeah maybe is that why you kind of like her so much oh yeah for sure it's definitely it's like having come from a very like religious background and like Not really being part of it anymore, but also being like, hey, there was like some good stuff in there. Yeah, I definitely want to pick your brain about that uh, as we get a little more into Agnes Jemima, because uh, I'm a person who uh, never had faith to lose. So I I don't have this same relationship with it. Wait, you never believed in Santa Claus? No, that genuinely was devastating. Honestly, it's probably good that you didn't have faith to lose. (laughs) Because as hard as I took the Santa Claus thing, I would be wrecked Mm -hmm. with any other kind of thing. That's a story for another day. So yeah, so she keeps like, you know, being drawn to almost suicide because of this. And we get an Aunt Sarah Lee. Mm -hmm. Nobody Um, doesn't like Aunt Sarah Lee. (laughs) So they go to Shunammite's house. Also, despite how horrible everything surrounding this wedding is, fuck me for not being a sucker for a wedding dress montage. I'm like, yeah, tell me more about these dresses, though. I agree. I felt the same way. And I like that, like, Shunammite is is like, well, my wedding is, I guess, not as cool as yours. But still. So she gets the idea to go to the school and appeal to Aunt Esty to get her out of this. So she has the driver take her to school under the guise of saying goodbye to aunt Esty when in actually in actuality she's like sanctuary 
Um, yeah. And so Aunt Esty kind of gets her to Ardua Hall. It's so crazy, too, because, like, there's a little bit about this handmaid having taken drain cleaner to kill herself and her jaw dissolving. And, like, I'm just like, what are the, what are the gruesome-ass stories I grew up with? You know what Ooh. I mean? I mean, they're not this gruesome. And I think this gets to the point you were making earlier of, like, Daisy's life is not as hard as life in Gilead. And, yes, like, that is true. But it's just, like... What is it that we're overlooking in our day to day? Is it oh so much? You know, is it the people that I step over on the way to the train? Um, yeah, there's all that kind of yeah. stuff going on. There's plenty that we are just uh, numb to because we've seen so many gruesome things, and what we find gruesome in the first world is so different than you know other people do, and what we find gruesome as relatively mm-hmm. middle class people is is so different. So yeah, you're right. I think that's a smart thing to be paying attention to. Um also before she goes to see Aunt Esty, um Aunt Lydia comes to see her. Uh yeah. And and that is because I think Becca like put in a word. Yeah, I think you're right. And Becca was like, hey, I have a friend. And Aunt <laughs> Lydia was like, what's that like, dear? <laughs> Very good impression of Emily. So, um, so, and so she sends her basically. And, you know, there's this combination going on here where at this point, gosh, how old is she here? Like 16? Uh, or yeah. younger? Yeah. So I think she's like 15. Okay. So how old is Nicole at this point? So if when they meet, she's like tw- I think they're like eight Math years. Is hard. They're like eight years apart because okay. when she, they're ugh, fuck, I don't know, dude. At any rate, this is sort of Five also or six I think where apart. the seeds of Aunt Lydia's plan really start taking hold yeah. because she has this knowledge, right? And she's like, "Oh, this is Baby Nicole's yeah. sister." Uh-huh. You know, uh, wheels in the head keep on turning, and. This is where I think a lot of these threads start to come together. That's a good point. And I think she's six years older than Nicole. Okay. Because she's six when she's scooped up. So, yeah, she gets she goes to Arjo Hall. Um, Aunt Lydia tries to talk her out of maybe doing this, or the other aunts try to talk her out of being an aunt, but uh, Aunt Silhouette comes. <laughs> that oh was a great God. aunt name. I like to, um, on page 236... Um, Oh, also, we get another um, nod to St. Julian of Norwich. Oh. Aunt Este says, oh, my God. Uh, well, she's going to give her a glass of warm milk, which nah. I don't approve of. But she says, all Drink. will be well. All manner of things will be well. Then she let go of my hand and patted it lightly. Then Agnes wants to know how. How can it ever be well? I don't know, said Aunt Este. But it will be. I have faith. She sighed. Having faith is hard work sometimes. Oof. So think about faith and freedom. Ooh. Both of which are choices. Just like uh, Ursula K. Le Guin mm-hmm. says in the beginning of this book. That's neat. Epigram. So then they go to Arjua Hall. And what happens? She was disappointed. She'd been expecting something much grander. And I felt that. Because <laughs> it is like you... And I mean, and I... You know, when I was a kid, we would get to go to like a, you know, a nun's convent and stuff like that. And we're like, whoa, that's neat. And they'd be like, yeah, we think Tom Cruise is cute. Come hang out with us. Uh And we were like, but you don't get to bang Tom Cruise. A nun said to you that she thought Tom Cruise Mm -hmm. was cute? They had um, filmed part of Rain Man on their property. So they all like saw Tom Cruise. Wow. That's a great little anecdote. It's a good time. (laughs) 
this whole chapter is nothing. Like she's just committed to Arjo Hall. Well, I mean, base what actually happens is she passes muster with Aunt Lydia. Um, I think that there is some concern potentially around Paula. Right. And I believe, does Paula show up at... This comes in this n- Yeah, okay. Yeah. Paula came to Arjua Hall to get me to change my mind. That's chapter 40. So we're skipping over... Th- all that happens in chapter 39 is she reunites with Becca. She reunites with Becca and she sees a book. She thinks maybe her milk is drugged. Not, not a bad assumption. <laughs> and so Paula was like super angry yeah. that this is happening. Mm-hmm. But Aunt Lydia whispers something to her. Ooh. And it was many years before I was to learn what Aunt Lydia had said to Paula to force her to relinquish me. So we shan't spoil it for you because it will be coming up shortly. I'm excited though. She has this whole counseling session with all the different aunts and some of them are pushovers. Obviously Aunt Vidalia is the most difficult. She's like real stickler. Well, and she had actually been taught by her. So I right. mean, again, this is where we're getting an indication. Like this is how high up Kyle Kyle was mm-hmm. that one of his children was in the school with one of the main. Right. Aunts. Yeah. All right. So she kind of passes uh, and uh, she really says everything that they want her to say. Um, and then Aunt Lydia really lays it on thick. When she's like, perhaps one day you will be able to help me as you yourself has been helped. Good should be repaid with good. This is one of our rules of thumb here at Arjoa Hall. It's like, boy, I wonder if that will come back. It's also an interesting choice of words because the rule of thumb, of course, is that you can't beat your wife with anything that is thicker than your thumb. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know this is something that's said by Agnes Jemima and not Lydia, because Lydia very conveniently does not say anything about beating anyone. Right. No beating happened here. <laughs> <laughs> so then the next chapter is the fox and the cat. Oh boy, that's not a fairy tale, Maggie. So, so here's <laughs> so here's another malapropism from Aunt Lydia. Time wounds all heels, like the heels of your feet. I feel personally attacked (laughs) as someone with plantar fasciitis. (laughs) I thought it was funny, but it is like, get it? And quit putting parts from your free write in here, Margaret Atwood. (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. No jokes in Gilead. (laughs) And we finally find out what happened to Becca. Yeah. Um, It took years for her to open up about it. And Agnes was the one who actually talked to her about it. And we do find out also the aunts refer to each other by their real, quote unquote, real names from before they became aunts, like if they're friends with each other. Right. So Agnes wanted to know what actually happened with Grove. And she found out about all of this because she does employ a lot of secret cameras and microphones. Mm -hmm. So this idea of Aunt Lydia being somebody who always knows what's going on everywhere, um... You know, it, it's it's not magic. It no. is. She works very, very hard. She's the Peter Baelish of, yes. of uh, Gilead, <laughs> for sure. So this is where we get this sort of like vengeful angel Aunt Lydia, where mm-hmm. she's like adding this man's name to my list of people who are going down. Exactly. And again, she presents this without getting into too much detail mm-hmm. about the fact, even as she knows what Commander Judd does to his wife, she never yeah. stops... Right. procuring him younger and younger child yeah. rights. So 
she's giving us this sop where she's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. Look what I did. Yeah. And I'm like, what about all the other stuff? Totally. I mean, can you lay the handmaid taking drain cleaner at your feet? Probably. Yeah. Can you also lay Becca slashing her wrists at your feet? Yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, okay. She's, like yeah. taking down one man mm-hmm. doesn't erase all the other stuff he did. This whole thing also was really interesting because remember when there was that guy in Canada who was like accused of sexual assault and Margaret Atwood like wrote that like op-ed that was like, <gasps> yes. we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be so quick to judge and like That's ruin a man's weird. life. And I mean, I don't know. It's weird because it's like one of the things I like about Margaret Atwood is that she like refuses to be pinned down, but also like, hey, get with it. Yeah. So that that was a weird time. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. hmm. Don't know how to reconcile that. Um, So then she has this conversation with Aunt Elizabeth and she's very, I think, if reading it through the lens that Aunt Lydia is very careful to make this memoir um, Mayday facing, mm-hmm. she's always careful to mention how much the other aunts beat people up. Yeah, that's true. She's very pointed about that. Mm-hmm. And so it's really her snitching on everybody, yeah. this document. So she talks about, uh, she's mentioned, she's tortured, name dropped Aunt Vidalia, and she's name dropping uh, Aunt Elizabeth mm-hmm. as beating recalcitrant handmaid's feet to a pulp so i see you aunt lydia i fucking see you um so she sets up the i oh freaking a so they do this whole uh, fox or cat rigmarole oh it is an actual fairy tale yeah it's an aesop's fable fuck you aesop Okay. <laughs> um the or the TLDR of this story is that the cat actually is the smarter person because they take the higher ground and wait for mm-hmm. things to happen on their own. So wait for people to like hang themselves on their own petard, which is kind of what Aunt Lydia is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's planting the seed that Aunt Vidala is trying to uh incriminate Elizabeth and saying that she is the one who is accusing um, Aunt Lydia of heresy and idolatry by planting eggs and oranges on the Aunt Lydia statue. Mm-hmm. And saying that Aunt Vidalia is framing her. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And she's, you know, quite upset about it, of right. course. And Elizabeth <laughs> takes the bait. Hook, line, and Hook, sinker. line, and sinker. This is also interesting. Gilead takes a stern view of bearing false witness, though it is nonetheless done frequently. You know who else probably not a fan of false witness? Mayday. Um, mm. But she is, she's being very clever, I think, in how she's framing these things. Totally. Where she's like, oh, isn't it awful? I isn't know. it awful? All these liars. Not like me, though. I actually. I'm ha- here telling you the truth. I have so much more fun with this looking at Aunt Lydia through this. Yeah. This lens. I agree. It's so fun and so like devious. And, yeah. And it. I think still makes her a villain and doesn't make her this like feminist icon. No, I know. <laughs> like um, to me, well, this is me- like so great of a reading of hers. Like she's still a villain. She's still looking out for herself, which is like villainous question mark, but also like, but also delicious. I mean, looking at through like the quote unquote Snape lens. Yeah. I don't know why I'm doing air quotes, but like <laughs> the lens of somebody like Snape, like he was a death eater. Yeah. Like it's not like, he was like, oh, I'm like a good person the whole time. Yeah. He 
was super down with what Voldemort he was cooking. a bunch of people. Yeah, he sure fucking did. Also, just a very bad teacher. Man, give me some martinis and ask me about how sad it makes me how shitty a teacher Snape is to Hermione, especially. Yes. I will cry. I've that, cried several and times. he's just like a fucking incel, man. Oh, such an incel. Such an incel. <laughs> and I hate that the book frames it. They're like, well, James Potter was mean, too. It's like, who gives a fuck? No, yeah, I'm like, oh, was James Potter awful? Yeah, he fucking was. But damn, if I wouldn't marry Sirius Black tomorrow. Okay. So the next section is ugh, another Daisy slash Jade section. The lady with several names. Well, you really hate her. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is there, no, <laughs> I just, I, I'm pretty ambivalent on her, but you are very uh, anti-Jade. And I think maybe it's the whole, like, you're looking at someone you dislike and you're seeing a shade of her, because I definitely love to swear and am, Fuck like, yeah. am crunt, like, cranky in places where I'm under hard authority like uh-huh. this. So who's to say I would be any better than Jade. So maybe that's why I'm especially grumpy yeah, about she her. she didn't bug me. I was like, oh, you're just an asshole. And I just, I just, no, I just like accept, but I mean, and you were also, like, game recognizes game. Yeah. I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't be happy if I were you. Yeah. Um, I did actually find her swearing to get excessive. Yeah. Because I felt like she just kept layering it on more and more. But then I also talked like that as a teenager. So. I guess so. I don't know, man. I don't remember. <laughs> Who can recall? I don't know. I love that they dye her hair green. Get it? <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Getting ready for that marriage to Garth. I like how Garth is like, I think Garth is into her. I do, too. Actually, I will probably write some fan fiction about <laughs> adult Garth and uh, whatever the fuck name yeah, she where decides does she land on. on? <laughs> we don't know. She's like, I'm going to throw everyone for a loop. My name is Mildred now. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, authority. <laughs> um, so they do this whole thing where she's living with Garth on the street the Pearl girls come by, uh, try to pick her me, up. For me, the thing that was the most frustrating was just that, like, she was so shitty <laughs> at executing this plan. <laughs> She's so bad. She's so bad. And, I mean, it's just even more embarrassing for the Pearl girls. Yeah. Because they are taken in by it. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is not even artful. Yeah. Uh, but at all. Here we are. <laughs> so they do this very romantic, we sleep in a sleeping bag together under a bridge. We've all had relationships like that. Um, blah, blah, blah. She really wishes he would make a move. He doesn't. And they, they also, um, the Pearl girls are very concerned about him, like, sexually enslaving her, <laughs> um, which he's not, not for lack of her trying. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even true. She doesn't even, tr- like, she, she doesn't even know where to begin. Yeah. Like, she would She's have no it. idea. She's just like, I like you. It's also very ironic that the Pearl girls are getting mad about sex trafficking when Gilead is, like, all sex trafficking. Um, Not if it's within their borders, BB. <laughs> but I think it's also an interesting contrast to where you think about where Agnes was. Mm-hmm. At this point, yeah. and completely terrified and repulsed sure. by penises, absolutely. And I don't know that Daisy even has a solid conception of what a penis is. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure her atheist Mayday parents sure. like gave her a book. Oh, and they you were know like, they, gave they were like, book. read this here. <laughs> um, we don't want to talk about it again. Yeah, um, done. But like, you know, just the the way that her desire for another person is allowed to blossom naturally yeah, that's a good and point. without interference yeah. is really sweet, even though she is annoying as fuck. Yeah. So then 
the Pearl Girls come by again. It's Aunt Beatrice, which did you recognize Beatrice as a household product? I did not. Me neither. Aunt Dove, love it. I'm like, uh, body wash or chocolate? <laughs> Could be either. <laughs> it Could be either. Uh, also worth noting, Jemima means dove or Agnes means dove. One of those means dove. Agnes means lamb of God. Okay, so they're really trying to like get her away from Garth. Um, I do appreciate on page 266... Free love, Aunt Beatrice <laughs> said scornfully. It's never free. There's always a price. Uh-huh. I believe that this is true. Yeah. I'm always very angry. Well, I'm angry about free love in the 1960s <laughs> sense mm-hmm. because they took sort of the original idea of free love, which basically can be summed up by like, we don't need no piece of paper from the city hall. But it's like the government doesn't have a place in our interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. um, as espoused, I think, to great effect by radical anarchist and feminist Emma Goldman mm-hmm. um, versus there should be consequence free sex for men, which is what <laughs> right. the sexual revolution of the 60s Ooh. was. So fuck all y'all. That's a great distinction. But not literally. But not, yes. Because you don't deserve it. <laughs> uh, intercourse with you, Because sir. like Megan the Stallion, uh, you know it's very expensive to date me. <laughs> <laughs> very topical. Um, so they finally succeed in quote unquote buying her from Garth. And they take her back to this condo. I love that like... The Pearl Girl mission is kind of a rumspringa a little bit. Yeah. Like they get to eat pizza. They get to eat ice cream. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's you can tell they are. And they even say like, oh, it's for us to like see the bad things and Mm -hmm. experience it. But then never do it again. Yeah. And then I love the one app's like, but I don't know why we can't have ice cream. And they're like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Because Gilead, that's why. Ask Aunt Ben and Jerry's. (laughs) I think it would be more like Aunt Briars. <laughs> it's Aunt Skinny Cow, and you will treat me with respect. Aunt Hagendas. <laughs> Aunt Hagendas would be so funny. Oh my god, I love this. Please let us know what your aunt name would be. That is a message I shall never tire of getting. <laughs> um, so they come up with this whole plan where they're gonna have. <sighs> Aunt Dove, the real Aunt Dove, is going to stay behind, and they're mm-hmm. going to send Jade slash Daisy slash Nicole. Why do they have to change her name when she's a homeless? They fucking don't know that Daisy was her name. I mean, I guess maybe they do because they're, they're after her. They're but... concerned that maybe they did. Like, also, basically, everything that they do is like, we don't know. Also, there are there. there's not just one woman named Daisy in all of fucking Canada. It's like, I think Garth is the one who says it's sort of like the Canadians are like wonderfully sloppy. <laughs> and that's how this feels. Yes. At any rate, they are going to send Jade through customs as Aunt Dove. So basically, right. it's like, oh, you know, two Pearl girls enter, two Pearl girls leave. Which is kind, kind of foreshadowing to... Uh, later when they'll send uh, Jade out in Becca's clothes. Yes. Um, Also, I said leggings weren't men's clothing. And they said calmly but firmly that yes, they were. And it was in the Bible. They were an abomination. And if I wanted to join Gillian, I would have to accept that. Oh, man. I just love that Margaret Atwood managed to like... (laughs) flip up a rock and find like the one hot take on why leggings are terrible that hadn't been committed to uh words yet boy wait till they tell aunt lululemon she's gonna be so mad aunt juicy is not gonna stand for this aunt athleta mm, so upset aunt athleta is 
so good. I'm sorry, gang. This is sort of the the bad part of recording all these episodes in one day is we're hitting the same joke over and over because we're still delighted by it. I'm sorry. This is like this is like when you discover the like in bed game, you know. <sighs> Or like the Hammond's Tale in bed. Oh. Like this is this is our version where it's just like how many ant names? How many ant names can we come up with? Aunt Palm Olive, go. <laughs> they do have. Oh no, wait, that was something different. I was reading. Never mind. Aunt Borax, I will be. Uh, let's keep going. Well, what? Mrs. Now- My- Aunt Mrs. Myers. There we go. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, I don't think you get how the naming convention goes. Shut up, Kyle, Kyle. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm- Maggie Ass doesn't care. We're going full ants, balls to the walls. <laughs> so they get her uh, on the plane. She's worried. Uh-oh. Then they get her into this chapel and they welcome her in to Gilead. And they're bringing in the pearls, blah, blah, blah. They start giving her the pearl clothes and then... We go into Arjua Hall and it ends with my favorite quote, which is, this place is weird as fuck. <laughs> oh my God, you guys. That's how I read all of Jade's chapters is in this like really petulant voice. It's like, Aunt Lydia said, welcome to Arjua Hall, Jade, and maybe bless. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> I'm imagining it as being very like um, Alexis uh, Rose from Shit's Creek. Uh, like, then Aunt Lydia said, welcome to Ardua Hall, Jade, and may you be blessed in the choice you have made. <laughs> Under his eye, per Ardua come estrus, she placed her hand on my head, then took it <laughs> off again, nodded at me, and gave me a dry smile. Oh, you know, and she's like, also later I met this girl, Shannon, who was like super cool. I don't know why nobody liked Shannon. She's so fun. Ew, Shannon! <laughs> Uh, so next we get another juicy Aunt Lydia chapter, blah, blah, blah. She's we still writing. too deep into the symbolism of the ink bottles, but oh. Aunt Lydia has been swiping ink bottles from the drawing supplies because the girls are allowed to draw. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to do pettit point. <laughs> yeah. They're allowed to color mm-hmm. with crowns. Um, Is that how you say that? No. I say crayons. You- oh, Mitch makes fun of me because I say crayons. Like C-R-A-N-S. Say it again. Crayons. Like Crayola crayons. Yeah. Okay. See, I think this sounds perfectly crayons. fine. Crayons. Crayons. How I, does he say it? He's like, crayons. Oh, my God. I know. Nobody says crayons. I know. He's a monster. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. So they talk about... Um, that's an interesting point, the the ink bottles. So she's writing with blue ink now. Is that what we're doing? Um, She just really loves to take up a lot of space, like... You know, singing about what she sees. Yep. And it's interesting to me that Margaret Atwood has really cornered the market on super extra women who are like Jerry Blank and Strangers with Candy, like writing in their diary. And then they're like, pull out another diary. And they're like, dear real diary. <laughs> and I mean, I always write in my journal. I'm like, for posterity. Me too. <laughs> um, I mean, I think most people are. Like, yeah. why else would you do? I don't know. Like, well, I know that I'm supposed to be, like, doing the artist's way right now and being like, this is just a free write. <laughs> but, I mean, oh my God. Well, I think that all of the Handmaid's Tale book and this book, too, are so concerned with how we tell our own story. How we tell and our own who story. Reads it. And the idea that whose stories are found is completely mm-hmm. random mm-hmm. and subject to chance. I mean, yeah. this is all from this one area. There's probably a bunch other Handmaid's Tales and, you know, the Testaments from all different people. Yeah. 
Maybe we'll figure that out at the 15th symposium. <laughs> I swear to God. I can't there, wait. We'll, we'll get there. there. We'll can't get there. There can't be. Anyway. We'll get there. Um, so blah, blah, blah. Talking about the participation of Rove. So they sent Aunt Elizabeth in Ooh, yeah. under a sting. Yeah. She went in and started uh, hooting and hollering. Mm-hmm. Because she had played Hecuba in the Trojan Women, mm-hmm. and um, a witch? No, no, Hecuba is the queen of Troy. Oh, okay, my bad. Uh, you're thinking of Cassandra. I might actually be thinking of Tituba. That is also a very not a witch. different story <laughs> yeah. on a different continent. It's a long day, babe. Uh, so, um, oh, and Doctor Grove was said to have called Aunt Elizabeth a fucking bitch. Yeah. Um, so they fabricate basically this entire thing. Yeah. In order to met out justice mm-hmm. of a kind mm-hmm. to Dr. Grove, who has been molesting his own daughter and patients for low these many years. Um, so, yeah, they uh, they rip him to pieces. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry either. There's also an angel who gets participated as well. Oh, an angel who'd been caught selling gray market lemons. Imagine going down like a punk <laughs> for, for smuggling goddamn lemons. <laughs> They're going to get scurvy. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, wait. His real crime was taking bribes from Mayday. Well, uh, that's a <laughs> shitty cover story. <laughs> doesn't she make a joke here when like life gives you lemons? You hang a traitor. I can't remember oh where it is. God. There is a, a metaphor like that. It's a real missed opportunity. So we got that persecution, which also happens on Jade's first day there. She's talking to Judd about how they found baby Nicole in Canada and they would know her by this tattoo, mm-hmm. which is why aunt lydia made them give her this tattoo yeah we kind of glossed over it but like they just like took her to some like back alley person yeah. who was like uh great i'm gonna give you this tattoo and she's like this is a shitty tattoo it's and a really they, bad and tattoo. they're just like shut up that's so dumb and it says god is love god and love and it's an acrostic kind of crossword whatever <laughs> i you know what makes me so mad about this is that like Knowing what Aunt Lydia eventually does with that tattoo, it's just like, she really had a night where she's like, what's the most symbolic thing I could get her to tattoo on <laughs> Aunt herself? Aunt Lydia did or Margaret Atwood both. did? <laughs> I'm picturing them both like rubbing their little hands together. I feel like Margaret Atwood is like the Aunt Lydia of this podcast <laughs> in that she has been like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. calling the tune. Yeah. And we dance. All right, so they introduce the idea that Nicole is here, and you'll know her by her tattoo. Let's move on. We've got this uh, this whole part where uh, Agnes Jemima, now Aunt Victoria. Um, Agnes Jemima is not Aunt Victoria. I think mm-hmm. Becca's Aunt Victoria. Nope, Becca's Aunt Immortelle. Ew, what a horrible name. It's a brand of makeup. Okay. Occitan. I don't know how to pronounce that. Occitan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Aunt Immortelle is Becca. Aunt Victoria All right, is... Well, thank God you're here because I did not retain this. Stick with me, sweetheart. So yeah, so there's living years are going by blah 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 yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) no and i was really trying to keep it clippy babe i appreciate it but was again surprised it's like oh we're just gonna just skip over uh them figuring out what it is to be ants okay cool well what what else is there to say uh, you know, oh. they had to learn how to read. I mean, they do get yes. into that a little bit because yeah. Becca really struggled with it. And it was just like, my, I loved the descriptions of like what well, letters that, on a page looked like to Agnes Jemima. I think there's some more discussion of that 
coming because yeah. I underlined some of it. I think it's just not in this chapter of 47 necessarily. Um, listen, I love this are? on 267. The founders and the older ants had edges to them. They'd been molded mm. in an age before Gilead. They'd had struggles. We had been spared. And these struggles had ground off the softness that might once have been there. And it's so interesting to me because if you think about sort of inherited trauma mm. and also any kind of great social upheaval like this, it's mm. like the older generation always resents the young. Well, the older generation always resents the younger generation uh-huh. for any differences. Yeah. But in this case in particular, it's like, okay, what does Gilead mean if you didn't know the world before? Totally. Oh, and it's so interesting that like, because we're reading this, we're seeing sort of a, a softer version of Gilead and a softer version of the ants. Like, I don't actually think Agnes Jemima and Becca ever tortured anybody. No. I think they just stay kind of cloistered to. in Arjua Hall. But it's difficult to be grateful for the absence of an unknown quantity. Ooh, that's so good. See, it's like, I feel like there's about 200 pages <laughs> worth of really good writing in I here. Know. And then the rest of it is just like, wah, 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 pen is envy. I know. Wah, wah, jade. I love short things. I love short things. And I wish this book was like uh, 100 to 300 pages shorter. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, so here is where I wasn't skipping over her learning to read. This is where they talk about looking at letters as pictures and figuring them out. Um, And they are reading Dick and Jane. I really want my job as an aunt to be the person that paints the clothes on these little people because it sounds really fun and satisfying. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. I mean, I guess, you know, they do have like very limited resources, but Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, like you couldn't just make a new book. Yeah. Or use, I don't know, a blackboard. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good point. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know that Margaret Atwood is making a point. Yes. Title case. Yeah. But. Now, this is interesting. We get some foreshadowing on page 293 talking about the supplicant aunt who was like Becca and um, uh, uh, and Agnes Jemima. Uh, in that she was going to Arjua Hall to escape being married and it was like way too much and she got tortured and as sort of a way to end things, she walked up on the roof and went into the cistern Mm -hmm. and died. This is like, well, it's A, foreshadowing for what happens to poor Becca, but it's also in the sort of thread of nothing happens in these books that hasn't happened in real life. This is like the Elisa Lamb Oh my God! I have been waiting for this because as soon as I saw this, I was like, <gasps> Maggie Atz, watch that video of her in that elevator. Horrifying. So many times. Oh, my God. So many times. So, oh, my God. Listen, if you are listening to this and you are a spooky guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and spooky guy is, is a gender. Like, it's a, we're all spooky guys oh, at heart. Oh, no, Molly. You've put horrible ideas in my head. Anyway, keep um, going. Go do some research into the Elisa Lamb case. It TLDR. It's this woman who somehow ends up in the cistern at the top of the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. And I mean, I'm fun- like scaring myself. Talking no, fundamentally, it. she had a psychotic break. Yeah, but it does not look no like anything of this world it was is going on. Horrifying. Um, it is horrifying and. It inspired also um, the American Horror Story hotel season. Yes, so which is a great season. It is such a great season. I am season. terrified of everything, and I really like that yeah. season. You just love Lady Gaga. I love Lady Gaga so much. Or as I like to call her, Lady Gaga. The thing that really struck me as well, again, is coming back to this idea of 
Gilead is normal to them. Mm-hmm. So talking about the most astonishing things about these books was that Dick and Jane and baby Sally lived in a house with nothing around it but a white <laughs> wooden fence. So flimsy and low that anyone at all could climb over it. There were no angels. There were no guardians. Dick and Jane and baby Sally played outside in full view of everyone. Baby Sally could have been abducted by terrorists at any moment and smuggled <laughs> to Canada like baby Nicole and the other innocents. Uh, Jane's bare knees could have aroused evil urges in any man passing by, despite the fact that everything but her face had been covered over with paint. It's just like, you know, or it's even as simple as like going to your friend's house. Yeah. And you're like, (laughs) you don't have a baby gate? Like, yeah. How does your, you know, sibling not die? And it's just like these things that are so ingrained in Agnes Jemima was like, of course you have like an eight foot security fence outside your house. And of course kids can't play outside. There's, you know, a baby shortage happening. You're going to get snatched. I really got to give it up to Maggie Atz for resisting the urge to put a sentence in. I always wondered if Jane was afraid of Dick. Because <laughs> you know her pen hovered over the page. She's like, no, that's too much. You know why? What? Pen is envy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so she's learning to read. Shunamite comes for a visit. We learn that Shunamite oh. is marrying Judd instead. One quick thing. This uh, supplicant aunt also had stones in her pockets. Yeah. Was a rumor. It's not certain, but that is a Virginia Woolf reference. Yes, clearly. So it's interesting if that, if that's a rumor. I mean, obviously physics, but it's like, how do these sort of like echoes of these doomed women mm. still kind of persist in this anti-literary society? That's you know? so interesting. Like, not only anti-literary, but it's like, if you're not a certain type of woman, they're not going to bother remembering you. Whoa. Um, I wonder if it's the darker thing is, like, women are always resourceful when it comes to, like... I mean, women are always resourceful when it comes to everything. Yeah. Because when the world isn't built for you, you yeah. have to, you know, you have to be a bit like Aunt Lydia. And you're like, okay, what resources can I use? Yeah. I think she's... Aunt, whichever the Aunt, aunt Elisa Lamb is like in the tradition of like, you know, Ophelia and then Virginia Woolf mm-hmm. and then now. So it's very sad. That's all there is, folks. That's all there is. Ophelia, Virginia Woolf, <laughs> and now. Um, <laughs> Shunamite comes. Agnes gets in one last dig at Shunamite. Who's <laughs> like, you don't like me anymore? And she goes, I'm training to be an aunt. I'm not really supposed to like anyone. Oh! Sick bird. <laughs> well, and Shunamite's excited because I know. she now gets to be, you know, top wife poor shoe uh i yeah i just mm, yeah. i love her i don't i you know she irritate you know what she's my jade hey you hate jade i hate Shunamite. perfect she's reading more and it's also interesting because she's gotten married and she is happy at this point contentment shunamite means contentment <laughs> but i'm just saying whatever it is that commander judd's appetites are it's yeah i'm curious because like i've kind of like just been assuming that he like fucks these girls to death even though he doesn't do that because we know later that he he needs has been help s- well he's been slowly poisoning shunamite right so maybe it's just that he likes to kill people <sighs> and have like boring missionary sex Poop. <laughs> wouldn't be the first <laughs> um so she's finally getting a chance to read the bible and it's interesting that they level up I'm like, okay, now you're in a new tier of aunt because you get to read the Bible. And it's what's here. What we're finding is this is where her crises of faith happens because she's reading all the things that were told to her kind of halfway. 
And they're finally learning kind of the truth about the concubine split into 12 ways, which is it's not it's not mentioned in the Bible that this is like an honorable mm-hmm. person. She's just a fucking footnote, mm-hmm. basically. Um, and so I really love much like the Handmaid's Tale is a footnote mm-hmm. for all the folks at the, uh, the symposium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the part I kind of wanted to talk to you about, about losing faith. Um, I love this. Uh, being able to read and write did not provide answers to all questions. It led to other questions and then to others. So this reminded me of what you were talking about, about acquiring critical thinking. Yep, no, I was going to, I was going to bring it back up my own self. I tee it up for you and then you knock it well, over the net. Well, and this is the thing because there is there is going through sort of what society prescribes you to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are plenty of ants who go through this and they learn how to read and they're like, yep, learn how to read. <laughs> Check that box. What's next? Whee! Put me in coach. Yeah. And as much flack as we are kind of giving Agnes Jemima for mm-hmm. being kind of like a very like boring shallow i don't mean that she's shallow in terms of being like frivolous but i mean Mm -hmm. she just there's not a lot of depth to her Mm -hmm. except every once in a while you're like what but she's just like hey uh a bunch of this stuff contradicts the other stuff what is that about versus other people who are just like um i don't care yeah like i read because i am an aunt and an aunt is supposed to read and write yeah absolutely and we see this later where Becca says, like, you can love God or you can love Gilead. You can't love both. Yeah. They're they're fundamentally at odds with mm-hmm. each other. Becca's so, really wise. She is really wise. I, I really love Becca as well. Yeah, I like Becca. I don't want bad things to happen to Becca. Yeah. I appreciate how deep Becca's faith is. And I yeah. like the interaction that she has with Agnes where I think that deepens Agnes's faith and mm-hmm. allows yeah. Agnes to perform extraordinary acts that she would not have been able to without Mm -hmm. that relationship. And I mean, I thought of you actually the whole time I was reading this because I think the real arc of this book is Agnes and Becca's friendship. Sisterhood. Yeah. It's very beautiful. And it's, it's something that kind of starts out and you're like, Oh, are they even friends? And then by the end you're like, ride or die. Oh my God. Is that a spiritual astral projection? What is happening? Yeah. yeah. And I love that. I love how interested Maggie is with like these uh, friendships among young women. Mm -hmm. And I, we see it in Alias Grace. Mm-hmm. We see it in Year of the Flood. Like we also sh- see it in Cat's Eye, but that's not a good one. Oh no, <laughs> I haven't read it. I haven't read it. Well, but I mean, Maggie Atz knows every rose has its thorn. It's a flower metaphor. Get it? God, get it? Poison. Oh boy. So, Just like like Commander Jeff. Yeah, no, Poison. we get it. All right. Molly. <laughs> Stop Molly. it. Maggie. Molly. Please, we have to get through this. Eat your cracky. Okay. Yeah, it's beautiful. She she writes female friendship very well. All right. Uh, more of this. Okay, so she's she reading. She does get on page 300. She is, she mentions the Bloodlines genealogical archives. Yeah, which um, you can get to when your mind is sufficiently strengthened. Interesting. Becca is slightly ahead of agnes at this point so she can be like hey listen these things that we've been told are not mm-hmm. exactly right so i was a little ahead of myself when i say that they and had this, read this is where they get into the concubine mm-hmm. cut into 12 pieces yeah Oof. yikes she says everyone at the top of gilead has lied to us i know Whew. i like this part where it goes 
up until that time, I had no, I had not seriously doubted the righteousness and especially the truthless truthfulness of Gilead's theology. If I'd failed at perfection, I'd concluded the fault is mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. And and this is where she talks about her crisis of faith is if you've never had faith, you won't understand what that means, which I don't. Uh, and you feel as if your best friend is dying, that everything that defined you is being burned and that you'll be left all alone. That's so sad and so heartbreaking to lose that. You will be left all alone. And yeah. when this happens to you, just watch the movie Donnie Darko. Yeah. It won't Great. answer your questions, uh, but it's weird. Yeah. So it's I so also sad. enjoy... Still, I wanted to believe. Indeed, I longed to. And in the end, how much of belief comes from longing? Ooh. I would say 100% of it. Absolutely. Because what is belief if not hope made intransigent? Did you come up with that? Yeah, I did. That's really cool. Get You're it? a smart person. Yeah, I know. It's annoying. <laughs> oh, my God. Never mind. I take it all back. <laughs> Never mind. Would it be better if I did it like Looney Tunes? Like, no. Yes, I know it. <laughs> I can't help it. Somehow, no. Uh, <laughs> all right. Three years pass. So she's what? 18, 19, 20. Look. Who can recall? I, if I may quote uh, Commander Judd's favorite uh, rap artist, R. Kelly, age ain't nothing but a number. <laughs> it, it would be R. Kelly. Uh, He's all of his contraband is just like r kelly uh, <laughs> you know commander judd is like muttering out of the side of his mouth like cancel culture more like no, cancel he, culture you know he was definitely friends with jeffrey epstein oh uh, no you know it mm-hmm. oh my god ew Ugh, i need a shower i don't usually hope that hell is real <laughs> but i hope it's real for jeffrey epstein <laughs> so then it's sort of revealed to us uh she gets the she gets the blue folder which so, is like her entering the matrix kind of thing yeah so she gets this folder it's all about paula Mm-mm. and she finds out that the story that she was told about paula's husband dying her first mm-hmm. husband dying was bullshit yeah and in fact um the handmaid had escaped paula set up this escape by yeah. the handmaid she's like hey go to the safe house here's where you go it's okay go which terrifies me because i had never questioned the show just because we see so many different perspectives it never occurred to me to question like oh are these people who are supposed to help you escape are they actually leading you into a trap oh i've always thought okay that. well like basically um when june finds the key in her boot Mm-hmm. Um, is that season two? Season two. Or is it the one. end of season end one? End of season one, I think. Anyway, when she no. finds that key in her boot and she goes, I'm like, ah, I'm like, it's a trap. Don't oh. do it. Look, Admiral Akbar's right there. He's <laughs> telling you. Well, this one, it was the first time I had thought of like, oh, no, you would be boned if you thought you could trust the person yeah. who was helping you escape and you couldn't. So she. This is why I trust no one. There you go. So Paula set up this fake escape thing to get the handmaid out of the house. She kills her husband because she's already having an affair with Commander Kyle, which just want to point out her husband's name is Commander Saunders. That is not a first name. Come on, gang. The theory that people have been putting forth is that Agnes calls him Commander right. Kyle because it's her dad. We don't really have any good. Well, yeah. I mean, the only thing we've really seen, they called Maloney like daddy and dad and stuff. So sure. Look, if I'm going to give grace to a theory, it's that I genuinely think someone made a oopsie. I think it's Kyle Kyle. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> because, so she kills her husband. She sets it up to look like the handmaid did it because there's no divorce in Gilead. And so she turns in the handmaid 
And they said the handmaid was clearly innocent, but she was hanged anyway. And Paula gets to marry Kyle Kyle. And now uh, Agnes is burdened with this truth. Um, and so we it calls her into question. She's like, shit, did Tabitha actually have a disease or did they kill her? Uh-huh. We don't know. We never find it's out. It's never made clear. Especially because she's kind of like fading away. It does make me mm-hmm. think that it's a Commander Judd situation where they're poisoning her just a little bit yeah. and a little bit. And she can't even talk to Becca about it because she doesn't want to endanger mm-hmm. her uh, by making her complicit, she says. The truth can cause a lot of trouble for those who are not supposed to know it. Oof, gorgeous. Two more years pass. She gets more and more files that tell her more and more secrets about bloodlines and such. And I love that here there's an additional stratification that there wasn't in the original book that sort of professionals like doctors, um, their color is gray. Oh, yeah. And econo people still have those heinous striped everything, which I truly regret. We do not get to see on our TV screens. Such a shame. That shit is so ugly. Such a shame. You know, it's also interesting to me when people are like, I thought the wives wore green. Like, it says in the books very clearly, it's like, wives wear blue. And I'll give them, you know, the mulligan because they use a spectrum of blue uh-huh. that is very teal. Yeah. So it's green's buddy, but uh, it's not, um, it's not green. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not green. It's not green. Get over it. Oh, okay. All right. Another Arjua Hall holograph. Blah, well, blah, and blah. just she's been, she's being given a ton of files at this point. Like she's just being given an education in sort of the seedy underbelly of Gilead. So and, it's important just to know that because it's like, oh, hey, uh, here's all this. And she gets Commander Judd's file and she learns the truth about all of his wives. Um and she's like, I'd narrowly avoided a death sentence, it seemed, mm-hmm. and I'd had help avoiding it. I said a prayer of gratitude that night. Despite my doubts, I continued to pray. Thank you, I said. Help thou my unbelief, I added, and help Shunamite, for she surely will need it. Yikes. And she does. And she does. As we find out going into this next Aunt Lydia mm-hmm. chapter, they visit Commander Judge. Shunamite answers the door and is not doing well. <laughs> Poor Shunamite. When she talks to commander judd they talk about this uh new supplicant is baby nicole she's got this this uh tattoo jade is so bad oh because, jade is like, so Aunt bad Medalla is like hey uh <laughs> she sucks like we can't even place her anywhere <laughs> Aunt vidalia is like i've even heard her singing in the abbey <laughs> she's a girl uh Anyways, this is one of the only indicators we get about Aunt Lydia's past with the torture. Because mm. Aunt Lydia says, I prefer more subtle methods. Yeah. You didn't prefer them in the early days, says Aunt uh, Vidala. You were all for the primary colors. You didn't mm. used to mind a little blood. Oof. Which she just glosses over. <laughs> really She's like, nope, nope, nope not, not me. me. Must have me confused with somebody else. Feminist icon Aunt Lydia here. <laughs> So she's a real Betsy DeVos. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to Judd's house. He's got that now. Judd's I would, house. I would be so interested. In the middle of our street. <laughs> Judd's house. <laughs> I'd be so interested if anybody knows what painting this is referencing because I could not cold Google it. He goes, um, 
in his uh, study, he has this 19th century painting showing a barely nubile girl without any clothes and dragonfly wings. So if this immediately sets off something in you that you know this famous painting that I could not find, please show it to me. I love the art in these books. I'm so interested. Uh, He has all of these books. Some are from great dictators, but some are these just illicit literature the one I want to point out is the Picasso's Lysistrata. 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 Okay. Which is based on this comedy about a woman who refuses to have sex with any of the men in town and it starts a war. Um, okay. So actually, oh. it is a play where Lysistrata gets all of the women around her. Oh, the men are away in war. Okay. And they're like, we're not going to have sex with any of our husbands until this war ends. Oh. So they end the war by refusing to Thank have sex. you so much. That was my half-assed Wikipedia-ing, and I'm glad that you had the better knowledge. This is why I don't do any research. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, Pen is God, get out of here. <laughs> Uh, okay, they establish that Nicole is in Gilead. She's not telling him the whole plan. And uh, she's also like, oh, um, I can take Shinamite to the Calm and Balm. Yeah. Because uh, seems like it's about that time. And he's like, oh, yeah, it would really be great for her to not be here if she like, um, yeah. I, I don't know, developed a <laughs> fatal illness. And yeah. I'm like, who is even paying attention to you two? I know. Like, why don't you just fucking. Yeah. Ugh. Aunt Lydia mentions this, I think, in a section previous that she's like, I kind of feel like he's flirting with me and it's really weird. <laughs> I get that vibe, too, and I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's really it's a really weird relationship. So then I love the and how easily a hand becomes a fist is an interesting line. Then she lays out the two choices that she has. The one is the one that she does, which is send Nicole and um, uh Aunt Victoria into Canada with the means to blow up Gilead. That's number one choice. Number two choice, hand Nicole to Judd. Have a shining moment of being like the most favored and then... Um, one thing that we didn't talk about. So what has actually been going on for all these many years is that Aunt Lydia has been sending micro dot transmissions yeah. mm-hmm. to Gilead in the brochures of the Pearl Girls, right. which is why the Pearl Girls have been regulars at the Clothes Hound. Right. You know, more or less unbeknownst to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been passing this information back and forth. Mm-hmm. And has Judd discovered that at this point? No. Okay. So sorry. Never mind. Anyway, uh yeah, so oh, that's he's discovered that somebody He's is discovered doing that it. somebody right. was doing it. So like basically Aunt Lydia's options are really limited yeah. in what she can do at this point, which is why she's mm-hmm. like, I am now poised on the razor's edge. She's kind of gone as far as she can go mm-hmm. with this sort of clandestine thing. And she's like, Okay, I'm gonna have to make some hard choices which of course she has a lot of experience with, despite <laughs> the fact that we don't get to see a whole bunch of them. This next chapter is uh oh there's two pictures before the chapter are we gonna converge some plot lines i think we are doubtful so we start with 369 a margaret atwood book where all of the seemingly disparate plot lines come together in a blaze of irregular glory what oh man uh so we have uh 369b which we know is fucking daisy jade nicole um you're so tired just going through that this is too many names. Um, so she's doing poorly 
in Arjua Hall. They talk about how her day one in Arjua Hall, she sees this persecution, and that's a hell of an entrance into Gilead. It's kind of fun, though. That'd be a great way to get Emma. Oh, okay. It's like in Deadwood when uh, Martha Bullock and uh, William Bullock get there, and Yikes. like their first view of Deadwood is yeah. uh, Sheriff Bullock getting his ass kicked by elsewhere. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Hey, did you like the Deadman movie? I loved it. I loved it too. Then we go to 369A, which is, oh boy, it's um, Agnes, Jemima, <laughs> technically Hannah. Agnes, uh, Jemima, Victoria. Yeah. Uh, Prince Christopher Rupert. <laughs> Carl Alexander. <laughs> um, and this is the part that bothers me so much. It's like they're sitting at the table with Jade, this new supplicant. She's like, ow. I don't like any of this food. This food sucks. Like she just cannot be chill to be for fair, one second. That food does sound like it sucks. Of course it sucks. <laughs> Fucking just suck it up. <laughs> In the words of of uh, Jade in later chapters, like suck it up. <laughs> so they introduce the idea of a bucket list. Ha ha ha. And she's right. Suck it, it for your bucket list. <laughs> it it is related to hanging. Uh, great. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah, things move really fast. Like, they start Thank really God. cutting in between everybody. Yeah. Um, that's not how we hang people here, said Becca. <laughs> I don't know how you did it at your old school, yeah. but here we Oh, my God. I saw this burlesque dancer who did a whole magic school bus <laughs> thing. It was amazing. Oh, wait, I think it was a drag queen, actually. But, like, it kicked off with Phoebe being like, at my old school. And oh. I was like, I love this. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I love it. All right, so Jade struggling to fit in. Oh, that's a one-page chapter. Nice. <laughs> love it. You love to see it. They're, like, having a real, like, classic, like, they started off as enemies, then they become friends, like, back and forth. Like, she's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's annoying. Oh, so fucking Jade cannot get with the program. It makes me so mad. She's doing <laughs> workouts, and they're like, but why? That's funny. Um... Ugh. Men are strong in body, said Becca, and in mind. Women are strong in spirit. Though moderate exercise is allowed, such as walking, if a woman is of childbearing age. (laughs) And I love, though, because, like, despite the fact that Becca says you can love God or you can love Gilead, Mm -hmm. she's still hanging on to that (laughs) Stockholm syndrome, though. She's like, don't you dare. They both are. But it's like like reading Self Magazine, where it's like, don't wait, because you don't want a book. (laughs) <laughs> and so then at the end of this chapter uh oh god i can't keep anybody straight agnes jemima gets the sort of um the folder that says top secret baby nicole is here in gilead uh-huh. oh no <laughs> well and she finds out um no did she find out she said so. okay this is also where she finds out who her mother is yeah. and does she also find out yeah I think she, so. so she knows that baby nicole is her half sister mm-hmm. and that she's here in gilead and at no point does she think oh i wonder if this random <laughs> nah. nah uh but what she does do <laughs> Which is quite different than what she's done before. Right. Because it's about her mother, she keeps the Uh file and she puts it in her little sleeves. Mm -hmm. They're probably large sleeves. Next one is from Jade's perspective. This is where she meets with Aunt Lydia and Aunt Lydia's like, surprise! I'm in Mayday. (laughs) I'm the source. 
and we're all like okay yeah this book is too long okay yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so this is so funny and so like come on she puts the micro dot in the o of god in her tattoo yeah and she says no one would think of looking inside god get it (sighs) i know i know check please for my (laughs) hot milk (laughs) next chapter Three six nine A, which means Victoria, you know Agnes Jemima. <laughs> this nine, I know. I also, nice. <laughs> I also thought of three six nine. Damn girl, fine. You can shake it to me one more time. Get low, get low, get low, get low. <laughs> get to it. the wall. Uh, get it. Low. Get it. Get low. Get, get low. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> you, must, you must be stopped. Um. All how's right. Your, how's your blood sugar? Oh God. <laughs> Now all of the girls are in Aunt Lydia's office. This no shit. Oh my god, this is so is she, here in Gilead. But why have we not been told? It's like a miracle. Like oh my god, calm the fuck down, please. And but if she's here in Gilead, Aunt Lydia, where is she exactly? Oh, Aunt Lydia's like she's in Arjua Hall. <laughs> like she still doesn't get it. Well, no, she's in this room, and still, Agnes is like, "Where, bitch? Where?" Well, and she's like, you know, she's like telling Becca, and Becca's like, "Oh, can I hug you because you have a sister? Where? (laughs) Where is she? God bless Becca. Where is the little nugget?" And then they all hug, and it's nice. And Becca is so wistful. I, oh, I love mm. this. You're both so lucky, said Becca. Her voice was wistful. Mm. And you're like my sister, I told her. So Jade is like your sister, too. Mm. I didn't want Becca to feel left out. May I hug you, Becca said to Jade. Or, as I suppose I should now call her in this account, Nicole. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> said Nicole. I just feel like in this chapter, oh. Nicole is played by like a 40 year old chain smoking man. Like, whatever. No shit. Whatever you gotta do, honey. Come in. I oh, know it's Bruce Miller. <laughs> so here we go. And they, and Aunt Lydia kind of lays out this plan. She's like, listen, kind of two can go eh, figure it out amongst yourselves. Yeah. I think we both know what I want. <laughs> and then it sort of ends with aunt lydia saying no 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 no. becca will go later and she goes i suspected it was a lie even uh-huh. then fucking becca knows it's a lie i think like you know uh, we're gonna get into this in the next section but somebody was like did aunt lydia kill becca and i'm like it didn't even occur to me because becca's so self-effacing yeah like she reminds me of um in the the Carol Burnett Gone with the Wind sketch, um, when Dinah Shore is playing Melanie, uh-huh. and she's just like so agreeable, yeah. And uh, you know Carol Burnett is playing Scarlet, and she's like, "Why don't you just go stick your head in a punch bowl? It looks like it could use a little more sugar." And she's like, "All right." And I'm like, yeah. "That's Becca." Becca's like, "Okay." Becca is the Melly of this. Book oh my for god, sure. absolutely. Especially because she's such a martyr, too. Oh, totally. Yeah, for sure. All right. That's the end of this section. We've got one more big section, plus a big reveal coming at the end of this episode, this next episode. And we'll be kicking it off with Fast and Thick, which is how I like them. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) And when I say that, I'm referring, of course, to a cup of hot milk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your girlfriends. And Nolite Tebastardes Carbrandorum. Da 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 da
dum da dum da 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 dum da dum. How do you keep a, a wig on the sun? <laughs> Spoilers. Uh,